Welcome to a Brave Space podcast with Dr. Catherine Meeks. I'm your host, Chelsea Glasgow. The Brave Space podcast will support the work of the Absalom Jones Center for Racial Healing and its mission of creating brave space where the truth can be told. I am so honored to be sharing this platform with you, Dr. Meeks. How are you? I'm well, and it's great to be here with you, Chelsea. Yes, excellent. Would you please start to share with our listeners a little bit more about yourself? Yes, well, I've been doing this work for the last 50 years, and so it's really a a vocational thing for me and not just something that I've that's kind of an academic endeavor and the Center for Racial Healing is the outgrowth of about 10 years worth of work in the Episcopal Diocese of Atlanta that started out with me chairing the the commission for dismantling racism and our moving our work in a way that caused us to become a resource for the entire Episcopal Church thus making it possible and viable for the presiding bishop and the Diocese of Atlanta to form a partnership to create the Center for Racial Healing, which is a resource for the whole church. And so the Absalom Jones Center for Racial Healing, which is located across the street from the Atlanta University Consortium, is a resource for the entire Episcopal Church in the United States and 11 countries. Wow. So for those who have never um, been to the Center for Racial Healing, who have never participated in any programming, could you please enlighten them about what you all do? Well, we organize pilgrimages, book studies, uh, film studies. We have dismantling racism classes and workshops. We have a, a Dismantling Racism youth curriculum for 6th to 12th graders. And we also are the place where the campus missioner for the Atlanta University complex is housed. And since that's your work, Chelsea, you should tell the audience what you do. Yes, yes. So I'm the campus missioner um, of the AUC. And so that is the Atlanta University Consortium. That includes Spelman and Morehouse College, as well as Clark Atlanta University. And my job there is pretty much to um, access the students in a way that helps them grow spiritually and develop. And so we have a myriad of programming that goes on, including reaching students because they are stressed. And so we have spa days. We also have Bible studies um, to increase their spiritual acumen, as well as other activities like cooking classes. And so it has been a really great experience to connect our mission with the Center for Racial Healing's mission, because at the same time, um, the students of the Atlanta University Center are standing on the shoulders of those in the Atlanta student movement. Absolutely. And so it's really important that our students at HBCUs, historically black colleges and universities, understand whose shoulders they're standing on. And that has a lot to do with how they move and develop. And so um, we've been in partnership. And so that has been a great and lovely experience. And it's a great experience for us as a center because our job is to work all over the United States and 11 countries, but we would be very derelict in our responsibility if we didn't relate to young people who are directly across the street from us. And this work has to engage young people or else we're completely missing the mission we should be on. So Mm -hmm. I'm incredibly excited about the intergenerational Mm -hmm. aspect that we can have and how easy that happens because we're there together and we're so much on the same page. Yes, you know, I think that if we reach our youth, um, we will be in better shape for our future. I know you had experiences when you were younger that 
started you in this work? Could you share what that Well, the the major thing was growing up in Arkansas and segregated Arkansas with a sharecropping father who was illiterate and my mother who was a school teacher who graduated from college the year that I graduated from high school and and embracing the segregated Arkansas culture and realizing that there was something deep in my heart that resisted that and knew that wasn't the way things should be. And then also hearing my father talk about the death of my brother who died because we were black and poor and couldn't get uh, access to medical care. So growing up with those, with that environment and that kind of backdrop of that family history really pushed me forward to let me find out how you can be free in this country. How Mm -hmm. can I be liberated? And that effort to find out how to get to enter liberation as well as out of liberation has been, uh, powering my journey for these 50 years of doing this work. Wow. 50 years of doing this work. That's that's amazing. That's a legacy builder right there. Um, So I wanted to use that to transition to our discussion for today. And I'm not sure if our listeners know this, but the year 2019 is the 400th anniversary for the transatlantic slave trade um, in America. This is one of those things that has changed the culture in America. And it happened 400 years ago, but we are still um, paying for the sins of those who have um, brutalized and taken advantage of African people. Can you please share with us a little bit about what that 400th um, anniversary means and what happened. Well, 400 years ago, as near as we can mark on the calendar, sometime in mid-August between the 18th and 25th, 20 uh, Angolans, which would actually be from Southern Africa, were sold at Fort Point Comfort, Virginia, which is now Jamestown, Mm -hmm. in exchange for food and supplies. And that started the slave trade in this country. And and uh, people might be also interested to know that the first slave baby that was baptized out of that period was a little baby named William who was baptized mm-hmm. as an Episcopalian, actually an Anglican at that time, William. which is fascinating to think about. That, that uh, transaction set that whole system afoot that we then ended up being the transatlantic slave trade and people who know anything about the history knows how that has progressed mm-hmm. and as Brian Stevenson has said we didn't ever get rid of slavery we just let it evolve so we went from slavery to to lynching and terrorizing mm-hmm. black people and then prison. we went to uh, all of the other steps of now the prison industrial complex and using the death penalty and 21st century police killings, all of those things are the outgrowth of that first slave trade because that was when we set this whole thing up of these people are not as good as white people mm-hmm. and whatever you do to them is okay. So that's that's where our legacy is. I mean, that's a piece of the legacy that we the center is com- grows out of that. If if that hadn't happened, we wouldn't need this center more than likely. Yes, as a response to um, racism and 
the discussion of race. So I know you mentioned that um, during the Atlantic slave trade, that was one of the first times that race was a dictator of Mm -hmm. your status. That's right. I mean, slavery is is an ancient thing. I mean, you know, there's slavery in the Bible, so... Mm -hmm. Slavery's been around a long time, but people were made slaves for different kinds of reasons. And even in Africa, if you were made a slave, it was because your village, there was a war and your village lost. And then that village got taken as slaves. But when they brought those people into the new village, they had all kinds of rituals to to make them become a part of that particular village. So you weren't seen as de- a dehumanized being. Mm. You weren't seen as a thing, as property. So this idea of skin color being the, the predominating reason why you were a slave, you're a slave because you're black. And because you're black and slave, you're not, you're a thing rather than a person. That notion was kind of put into place in the transatlantic slave trade in ways that Africans didn't really understand. Mm -hmm. Africans didn't really know what slavery was gonna be like for the folks that they were helping to sell to come here. Now that's no excuse for for doing it. Of course I'm not trying to make excuses for them. But I do understand that they had a different understanding of what slavery was. And so when they when they hear now when you go back and you talk about what the slave trade was it um and the slave experience in America it's a big surprise to them because mm-hmm. they were used to you bring the slaves in. Yeah, you're still not free. So slavery anywhere is indefensible. So I want to always say that at least a half a dozen times when I talk <laughs> about this because I'm never going to be somebody defending slavery. But but there were different kinds of ways to, to look at it. And right. so in this country, we did the dehumanizing and, and we're continuing to dehumanize people on the basis of black skin because of how we set that all up. Right. Now, there will be some people who say that that happened 400 years ago. That is totally irrelevant to how we live now. Right now, we have things like integrated schools and equal rights and different things like that. And so how has um, that event uh, 400 years ago, how has that impacted us now? And is it still relevant? Well, we still have what we call systemic racism, which grows out of that understanding of white supremacy and superiority versus black inferiority and not and so as long as that attitude is afoot we created systems based on that understanding and we have set those systems in place and we denigrate Mm -hmm. people on the basis of their skin color so and we created a whole bunch of other negative things that have come out of that and also within the black community itself there's been a lot of internalizing of that those oppressive structures and so we've we have a lot of work to do Mm -hmm. because those systems are in place because slavery didn't end we just found ways to reiterate it so Mm -hmm. the prison industrial complex is an absolute concrete strategic plan that grew out of slavery. I mean, we want the convict leasing, which helped to put people back into an enslavement kind of state, right, n- right not long after slavery ended. So I mean, emancipation, because slavery didn't end, right. but emancipation happened. And then we started convict leasing. So you, you were out walking around, you're freed slave now, but you don't have a job. So you get picked up and put on the 
chain gang, mm-hmm. you're, you're re-enslaved. Mm-hmm. And then we went from that to the mass incarceration. We've got more black and brown people in jail in this country than any other industrialized nation on the earth. So that's a clue that we didn't get rid of that system. And, and we're building more prisons every day for them. Mm-hmm. And we don't do what we need to do in education to, to circumvent that. We, we look at third grade failure rates and decide how many prison beds we need instead of looking at third grade failure rates and decide how much better do we need to do education. Right. And I think, you know, that's one of our major issues is our education system mm-hmm. that is not properly educating our students on their history, mm-hmm. on um, how to advance in society. Mm-hmm. And a lot of children don't even know that this is the 400th year anniversary as a matter of fact a lot of adults don't even know that this is the 400th year anniversary and so how is the center helping to um, educate the community and get them ignited and involved in some of the work that needs to happen well we are having uh, services to to have a commemoration around this during the month of August. Okay. All of our programming at the center has been dedicated to this, to to remembering. So mm-hmm. we're holding this up. I mean, it's, you don't want to celebrate it because nobody's trying to celebrate slavery here. Exactly. We're trying to remember that this happened and we need to pay attention to it. We've created these 400-year buttons that we're pretty proud of. I even see though you have one I'm one not now. much of a button person, but <laughs> it just seemed like, very fitting. So to help with starting the conversation, right. we are writing things on our website and, and just talking to people as much as we can. And I'm learning that around the country, there are people who are picking up this discussion and who are doing some celebratory things in August, and, and because August is when the actual event occurred. But of course, you could do stuff for the rest of the year and you could do stuff next year. You can celebrate, you can commemorate this anytime you wake up and decide to do it. But we're trying to uh, create more consciousness Mm -hmm. because as the, in the introduction, you said we're a brave space where we try to tell the truth at the center. So this is not true to just be told 400, the 400th anniversary in 2019, we need to keep telling this truth and we need to keep holding it up in front of people as we move along in the 21st century. But we're going to keep doing everything we can to keep it in front of people. Yes. So how do you, um, what advice would you give to someone who is trying to commemorate this event? So someone who is trying to, um, recognize the disparities and do something Mm -hmm. about it? Well, I think in the first place, you don't need to be knee-jerky. You need to Mm -hmm. think about a plan. I mean, part of what we don't do in trying to do this work is understand that it's long-term, it's really lifetime, and that you need to have a plan and that you need to allow the work to evolve in ways so that it creates some energy for itself Mm -hmm. so that it's organic so you don't burn yourself out because you can get burnt out pretty fast trying to do this kind of work. And then you have to start with in a place that makes sense for where you are. So you could start with book studies, film screenings, conversations, Bible classes, whatever. I mean, you just need to look at your particular parish or environment and say, this makes sense for us to do and start there and not get on some kick of we got to do what somebody's doing across town because that will just not go anywhere. You, you, There has to be some real good looking at 
your particular place and doing what makes sense for you. And, you know, white people have a lot of trouble trying to get started because they always say, how do you start the conversation? Well, you start the conversation, read a book together. This is a little bit easier. You move yourself out just a little bit away from yourself. So it's not just all about you. You you need to talk about, you do need to involve yourself, but you need to be talking about systems and stuff as well. So a book or a film or a pilgrimage or go talk to somebody who's doing something to see how maybe you can invite somebody to come in and help you get started. But there are all kinds of ways to start. And the Center for Racial Healing is always ready to help people. I mean, that's our job. Of course. To be a resource, to be a a, a support person, to be a mentor, to be a, a, a guide in whatever ways we can. And we will never say no to anybody who inquires about how we might get started with this work. Right. I know. Um, so getting connected with the center is another big way uh, that could really help people take that next step and write and give them that guidance. One of the things that they can do is participate in the Bishop Barbara Harris Justice Project that's happening in November. That's right. We're, we're going to be naming this Justice Project in honor of Bishop Barbara Harris, whose memoir I'm finishing up reading, and it's been the great delight of the week to be getting to know her a little bit. And I'm so proud that she said yes to Mm. allowing us to do this, because we believe that the work has to be both internal and external, that individual people have to work on themselves and turn themselves around and look at this differently. And you go out in the world with this new attitude, and then the way you approach the work is different and makes the work sustainable. We have done a lot of working to try to make this country better without getting very far. And some of that's because we've had the wrong perspective in the first place. And Bishop Harris embodies that, embodies the the inner work and the, the outer work. The inner work is healing. The outer work is justice. Mm. This is how you see justice. You see that justice happens when people who have been transformed go out in the world to change things. So I'm just beside myself with excitement about having the Barbara Harris Justice Project as a part of the Center for Racial Healing. Of course. How do, um, what does that project entail? We're going to be addressing issues around environmental uh, justice, around the mass incarceration, the death penalty, uh, uh, immigration issues, uh, health inequities, all of those justice issues that aren't going to ever get fixed completely until people have had their hearts transformed so they won't tolerate injustice anymore. But you can't wait for everybody's heart to get fixed. Mm. You have to keep working on fixing hearts while you work on fixing the outer systems. And so, but you don't want to jeopardize one for the sake of the other. So to have that kind of a bit of a delineation will help us to kind of keep clear about how we think this ought to be done. So the Justice Project will be taking up that piece of work and yet we'll continue to do all of this other stuff that we do to kind of push people down the road. And it's not like you go do healing and you're all done and now you can go do justice. That's not how it works. Of course. It's you're opening up yourself to healing and transformation and and then 
you are you get involved in the work and then you grow some more and then you get deeper into justice work and then you get well some more and then you get deeper and deeper until finally you die. Right. You know, so. Right. I love that connection between the internal work that you have to do yeah. as well as the external work. Right. right. So many times as Christians, we focus on the internal mm-hmm. work, getting our hearts right, mm-hmm. um, committing ourselves to God, making sacrifices. But we don't often understand how that relates in the public mm-hmm. Um, world, right? Mm-hmm. And I think the center does an excellent job of integrating the mm-hmm. two. And maybe not even integrate, perhaps integrating isn't the right word. However, uh, maybe the center gives another way to exercise that inner working that is happening. Right. And I think that you're right about people thinking that the internal is, that's, I got to get myself right. But then on the other hand, there are people who get so busy trying to change the outer world, mm. they don't think that, well, I, I'm progressive. I know what I'm doing. That's right. And you, nobody is together, that together. All of us are still a work in progress. So we've got to be always interrogating ourselves, as um, Bell Hooks says, you should be interrogating yourself. So what, we're, what I'm wanting to say all the time is that when we, when we get on this journey, we're on this journey to become the people God put us on the earth to be. And there's a whole bunch of stuff we need to learn to, to do that. And then we've got this world that we've messed up mm-hmm. that we need to fix because this is not how God meant for the world to be with people being treated wrong and all right. that. So so then we have to hold those two things in our hands and go forward. You don't get to just do one or the other. Even It's much harder to do both than it is to do one or the other, which is why people are trying to do one or the other. Mm-hmm. But it doesn't work. And, and so it doesn't work really. I mean, you can uh, occupy your whole life doing one or the other. But ultimately, you have to do both to be who God wants you, wants you to be. Right. And that's our ultimate aim, right, in right. our whole lives, is to be the people that God has called us to be. Well, Dr. Meeks, I believe this is an excellent conversation. I hope that our listeners um, were able to understand a little bit more about commemorating the 400th anniversary of the transatlantic slave trade as well as understanding the purpose of the absalom jones center for racial healing i hope you all get connected visit our website at centerforracialhealing.org and we'll see you next time always tell the truth